The Writer's Toolkit is published by Nick Hearn Books. Order direct from the publisher and get 20% off this and other great titles. Visit nickhearnbooks.co.uk. Talking practice and process with inspiring playwrights and screenwriters. This is the Writer's Toolkit podcast. Hi, I'm Paul Kalbergi. Welcome back to the Writer's Toolkit podcast. If you've read my book, you'll be familiar with some of my writing practices, which include meditation before writing, practical exercises for daily practice, and immersive writing techniques, whereby I find physical entry points that allow me to dive deeper into the projects that I'm working on. I love inspiring other writers by sharing what works for me, but of course our processes, rituals, and routines vary, and I love discovering how other writers operate and how they get their words on the page. So on this podcast... I sit down for a virtual coffee with the writers who inspire me, finding out about their practices and processes, how they work, where they work, and generally dig a little deeper into their writing lives. Coming up. On today's episode, I chat with Gary Goldstein, a screenwriter and playwright who has enjoyed enormous success with no less than 15 produced screenplays. I was first introduced to Gary when I watched a webinar he was moderating for TV movie writers, and I was immediately encouraged by his unwavering commitment to his craft, aside from him coming across as a genuinely warm human. We recorded this interview around the time his debut novel, The Last Birthday Party, was published, and if he has anywhere near the same success on the page as he has done on the screen and stage, he looks set to enjoy a whole new chapter as a very happy author. It just seemed like such a giant undertaking that I really wasn't sure if I could I really have the time to do it properly. I read something online and somebody, some writer I followed posted and they said, you know, if you're a screenwriter and you've always wanted to write a novel, but felt like you don't have the time, think of it this way. If you wrote a page a day, at the end of the year, you'd have the first draft of your book. The Writer's Toolkit Podcast with Paul Kalbergi. In this episode, I'm talking to Gary Goldstein, a prolific writer with numerous credits in TV, film, theatre, and now a first-time novelist. Since cutting his teeth in the writing room on TV shows like Saved by the Bell and Beverly Hills 90210, Gary has seen more than 15 of his screenplays produced as TV movies, including Hitched for the Holidays, starring Emily Hampshire, and the first two movies in the Flower Shop Mystery series, starring Brooke Shields. Gary's feature film, Politics of Love, a romantic comedy set during the 2008 presidential election, enjoyed a theatrical release in 2011, and his screen adaptation of Mr. 365 is currently streaming on Amazon Prime Video. As a playwright, Gary's sibling dramedy, April, May and June, received a world premiere production at Theatre 40 in Beverly Hills, earning five Broadway World Award nominations. Other recent works for stage include To My Children's Father and Dinner at the Harbour Reef, to name just a few. This year sees Gary Goldstein add published author to his resume with his debut novel, The Last Birthday Party. More on the book later, but for now, Gary, welcome. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for reaching out to me to do this. I really appreciate it. Not at all. We've both got our coffee. Let's let's dive in. So 15 produced screenplays. Could you speak a little bit to your kind of work ethic and productivity? Sure. sure. I, you know, I would say that I, I've, I've been working a long time. So, you know, it, it, the, the numbers sound good, but it's really, you know, accumulation over time. Sure. Although I, I've written, you know, these 15 TV movies, I've written them since 2009 or 10. So it's been kind of a nice run. Um, and I've had a couple of feature films that I've written that, that have been made, one during that period, one before. Um, and, and what I've always found is that it's just really important to be open to what's, a, what's around you, you know, like what, what work is around you? What are your options as a writer? You sure. know, I, I, when, I, when I first started off, 
I was writing for television. I was writing episodic television. And I start, and I felt that if I wasn't writing episodic TV, either doing it, um, you know, for hire or writing spec, spec scripts to get jobs uh, yep. for TV, that I wasn't really doing what I was supposed to be doing. And then at a certain point, I realized, you know, a writer writes. So, so everything that I learned to write is going to feed the other thing. So I, I moved into writing screenplays and then I, I expanded to writing stage plays. And then I sort of uh, took a, um, a, another step and ended up working in TV movies, which mm. is kind of a little, a little bit of a, mostly like writing feature screenplays, but you know, t- a little bit different. Um, and then I'm a journalist also. So I've been doing that, did that for a long time as well. Um, and then, um, and then I started writing this novel and it's really, it's really about, keeping, um, I don't want to say reinventing because that sounds, I, I don't feel reinvented. I just feel like expanded, you sure. know, I've just been able to, 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 uh, to, um, work on in a lot of these disciplines and not only have they been fantastic experiences for me. Um, and, uh, you know, when you write plays, for example, it's something that, you know, it's live you, as, as the playwright, you know, you, you're really very involved. I've learned a ton from, the directors and the actors and seeing things sort of happen on the fly and, and the, cre- the creative element of that is, is really, really great. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I've loved those experiences and, and, uh, and they've led me to lots of different things. You know, I actually, I had a stage play that was on a number of years ago that was actually picked up by Warner brothers TV to do a, a pilot of, to do a half hour comedy pilot of, and you know, if, if you can be very successful doing one thing, that's great. But I think most writers have to be flexible to, to what's yeah. around there. And when you've been, I've been writing a long time. So the business changes, go ebbs and flows, expands, contracts, what they want is different. Uh, you know, this is right now we're in a period where there's a, a lot of need for content. So, so that can be good because sure. you can write things that are a little nichier. Um, but I think ultimately it's endurance. It's never saying, ne- never say die if you, if, if you want to do it. Yeah. You know, I mean, some, somebody once said to me, it was an actor. They said, you know, the best advice they ever got was if you want to be an actor, if there's anything else you, you could even conceive of being, go do that mm. because being an actor is just way too difficult. And right. I, I, I say to that to an extent with writing, you know, it's, it's sort of like if there's, you, you have to be really committed to it. You have to, you know, put your ass in the seat all the time. If, if you don't do it, it does not get done. That kind of thing. It can be discouraging because you're writing something and it just can, once it's done, then what happens? Right. And it could be, I mean, listen, I have plenty of screenplays that I wrote, wrote on spec that, you know, are still sitting on my hard drive, you know, and I hope one day there's a life to them and all of that. Um, So it can be discouraging, but I'm I'm an optimist by by nature. And I I just feel like if you're going to do it, you dig in, you just never say die and just keep doing it and get better. You know, everything I write, I feel like I improve a little bit every time, you know, you can't help but do that. Yeah. And uh, so we, we, we stay fresh and we, we uh, you know, maintain our ability to, to write well. Um, but just don't give up. I mean, that's the main thing. And you talk about your optimism. How has the last 18 months affected your optimism, your ability to mm. kind of sit in the chair and, and do the work? Yeah, well, it's been an, an interesting sort of uh, kind of a, a mixed blessing, I guess. You know, I started writing my book, The Last Birthday Party, uh, the January of 2020. So it was a few months okay. before the pandemic kicked yep. in. Um, but then once the pandemic kicked in, uh, everything was kind of on hold. Everything was, nobody knew what was going on. So I was thrilled to have a project that I was already in the middle of mm. that I really wanted to finish. Yeah. And I knew would take me a long time. And even though I had other work and other things I was doing, I, I, I could tell that like things were going to slow down. So, so 
it was a perfect time to do it. Sure. And so by July of last year, I had finished the first draft and then I had time to edit and then to, uh, you know, try to get the book out there to find a publisher. It really kept me going during, That's great. during the whole the whole of last year because yeah. we signed the contract with the publisher and I think it was the end of October or, right. or November. I think the end of November. So it was really the better part of the year I spent working on it. And then since then I've had a lot of work to do on it, you know, post it, you know, post the, um, the signing the contract, more editing, so plenty of marketing, all that kind of stuff. And then I've also, I'm also just about done with my second novel, wow. so which I've worked, I've worked on during, you know, it's kind of dovetailing this last one. Sure. Um, and all of that. So it's actually been, you know, I've knock on wood or whatever, whatever I'm knocking on. It, it was, uh, you know, I was able to stay healthy, which is, was the, the most important thing. Yeah. Um, and people around me, my family stayed healthy. So that was, that was important. Um, and, uh, you know, and I work out of home, my home most of the time. So yeah. it wasn't so different from that, but it definitely helped get me through it, you know, and, and, and in the end I had something really nice to show for it. Oh, that's fantastic. It's a lovely crisp winter morning here in Auckland right now. Right, uh, you're on the you're on the west coast in the middle of summer in in the US, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Can you just paint a picture of your writing space for us? Oh, absolutely. Well, I um I have I live in an area of Los Angeles called Laurel Canyon. It's up in a, in a hilly area. It's five minutes down the hill to get t- to anywhere. Um, but and then you know in, in the city, but it it feels very tucked away. It's very hilly. We have great views. I, the front of my house faces the side of the Hollywood sign. Oh, lovely. You, know, you can see it in the distance. It's yeah, kind of like yeah, a yeah. tilted thing, but it's not exactly head on. So it's very nice. I have no reason not to be creative. It's very green and pretty. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I, I feel very, very fortunate to have this space. And um, So what does a typical writing day look like for you? Do you get up and kind of get into it by, by a certain time? Um, yeah, I, I, like I get, I get up at seven o'clock in the morning. I have breakfast. I read the, the newspaper. I'm still somebody who reads a physical newspaper, which I like to do, yeah, the Los yeah. Angeles Times, and have my coffee and make a real breakfast uh, and then go up to my office and, um, you know, I, I'll check the internet, you know, take care of some bills, business, whatever. And, uh, you know, maybe 8.30, somewhere in there, nine o'clock, I'll start, you know, the writing that I have to do. And the nice thing about writing, as you know, is that you can work throughout the day. You can work part, parts of the day. I'm, I'm, I work at night very most of the time. I like making my own schedule. I love making my own schedule. And also the work gets done. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's not, and, and you know, writing is deceptively uh, tiring. And, uh, and But I, I operate really well on adrenaline. A deadline is the most powerful, um, mm. the powerful motivator. Completely you know, when agree. I'm on a deadline or somebody needs something yesterday or whatever, it just gets done. Yeah. It has to, right? It has to. Yeah. It just has to, but something takes over. Yeah. Um, which is when, and when you're not on the deadline, uh, it, you know, you, you, you can just be looser about it, which yeah, is yeah, good yeah. too. You know, it's, it's, it's all. Well, there's expectations. People are waiting for things. It's not just spec scripts. Suddenly you're, right, you know, right. you, you're holding other people up and it's your reputation. Yeah. I mean, that's the irony of it. When you're writing a spec script, you could take three years to write right. it and it comes out great. And somebody hires you to write something based upon that script that it took you three years to do. And then you have to get it done in six weeks. And it's like, wait, I just spent three years working on a script. I can't do this in six yeah, weeks. Yeah. But you know, it's like, no, that the real world is you write it in six weeks or whatever. Of course, of course. What about music when you're working, Gary? Do you like to have any smooth jazz on? Or what, what's your white noise I of don't. choice? I, you know what my white noise is? Sometimes I have a fan on. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> not, very, not very exciting, but I no. have a fan on. I always say whatever gets you to sit down in that seat and write. It mm. doesn't matter if you have to hire a circus and have them write in front of you <laughs> while you're writing. Whatever makes you write and whatever yeah. you're comfortable with. There's no, there are no 
silly rituals. There are no silly needs. Right. Um, it, everybody has a different different way of, of approaching the work, and ultimately, it's whatever will get you to sit and mm-hmm. be productive. You know, oh, and yeah. we all know yeah. the tricks that we need to do to make to make things happen. Sure. So I'm guessing you're not a writer who can work outside of the house in, say, a coffee shop. No, I, I don't. I, I can't write mm. out in the coffee house or anything. I, I can't have people around. I don't get right. inspired by you know by outside noise or, or you know any kind of foot traffic. I, it, whatever. I, I would find it too too um, oh, uh, just too disruptive. Yeah. You know, kind of. It, it be, it's almost like working in an office. You know, basically. And where I work is at home. It's really quiet. Yeah. And also, I save time too. I don't have to get dressed and sure. drive anywhere. And you know, in LA, things are not right around the corner. So you know, by the time you get somewhere and you park or whatever, you can lose an hour of your day just you know, sort of you know, doing that. Um, so I don't feel the need. But I know a lot of people that have written every single screenplay sitting in a, in, in their favorite coffee house, yeah. and they swear by it, and that's great. You know, if it works for them, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And you know, you're always you've always got coffee around at that. Exactly. Point. <laughs> the conversation continues after these words from our sponsors. The Writer's Toolkit is published by Nick Hearn Books. Order direct from the publisher and get twenty percent off this and other great titles. Visit nickhearnbooks.co.uk. This podcast is fueled by coffee. If you'd like to support the show, you'll find the Buy Me A Coffee link in the show notes. Welcome back to the Writer's Toolkit podcast. So I'm not a writer who generally subscribes to the idea of writer's block per se. I like to reframe that concept and instead think of it as a message from my inner creator, a warning of a writing roadblock ahead, and either we need to unpick what's not working in the scene or find a way around it. So I always say stop and listen. Um, Is there a better way to tell the story? Could the stakes be raised to provide a more compelling story? Does the conflict need to be, you know, heightened or better defined? Are the characters fully developed? And, you know, failing all of that, if you're not feeling, um, you know, able to write that story, that's not the story you you need to be writing at that time. Um, How do you, Gary, how do you maneuver around a writing roadblock? Well, I totally agree with you. I totally believe that. I don't, subscribe to the concept of writer's block per se. Um, I think generally it means that you just don't know what you want to be writing or you haven't outlined enough. Sure. You know, I, I, unfortunately too many people uh, begin out, begin writing a script, let's say without, without outlining enough or knowing really where they're going. Yeah. So it's like getting in the car and yeah, you know how to drive and you know, how, you know, you know, your town, but right. if you don't know what your destination is, how are you going to get, get there? So, <laughs> yeah. and, and, but a lot of people just really need to jump in and write because outlining can be very, very boring for people. Mm. Uh, you know, it, it's, it, you ha- and it's, it's hard work. You've got to make those decisions, you know, and, and all that. So that's, that can be hard for people, but it, it, you end up being caught, you know, caught in the end because most people can write the first act of a script. Yeah. They know what the whole first act is going to be. You can bomb through that. When you hit that second act, that's when it's like, oh, now what do I do? And you're just like mm. facing the desert. Yeah. Um, and that's because you haven't developed enough. You don't have a strong enough uh, a relation, a primary relationship going on. You don't have a, a midpoint that you're going toward. You don't have a, a low point at the three-quarter point, you know, all the kind of structural things. And it's very important to at least – and I don't, I don't even think people have to do, you know, a full 18-page every scene outline. I do think people need to know – 
where you're going at, at the key points of, a, of telling a story. Sure. Um, and so I think that's where people fall into the block category where they just get stuck. They yeah. hit a wall because they had, they're not ready. They were not, weren't really ready to write. Not every idea is a movie. Not every idea is a play or a book. How often have people come up to me and said, I have a great idea for a movie. Uh, you, you know, let me tell you the story and I'll hear the story. And it's a great, it's a great uh, moment. You know, it's a great scene, but it's not necessarily a whole story and a whole story that you can build a movie around. And, and I think a lot of times people, you know, they just get started without really having the full story worked out. Um, so I think that, I think that's a big part of it, but you know, there are people who really, they, they do get stuck and then they can just get unstuck and start and continue to continue. Some people just really need to take a break yeah, from, sure. from, from, from the computer and, uh, and your desk and you take a few days off and you come back refreshed. And I think that's great too. Yeah. You know, you don't get any medals for, finishing faster, no. really, unless you're on this massive deadline. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was just going to say, uh, but write what you feel, you know, and if all you see of your movie is, um, you know, the big set piece or a big halo scene, absolutely go ahead and, and write that scene um, as you feel it. What do you think about writing out of sequence? Write that scene. You want to write the scene that happens at page 50 before you write the scene that happens at page 20? Go for it. You know, wor the worst that's going to happen is that you'll change the scene once you once you get yep. to it, it, it chronologically. Yeah. Um, but like I said, anything that gets people to write and stay inspired and not be discouraged. I would imagine, um, and you mentioned this earlier, um, but writing, you, so you write movie reviews for the LA, LA Times, right, keeping right. yourself constantly immersed in new writing, film culture, uh, what's right. getting produced, who's making what, that must provide a constant source of inspiration and a connection to the industry for you. Yeah, that's great. You know, I, I, I review a lot of independent films, a lot of documentaries, a lot of uh, things I might not otherwise see, mm. you know, things that are more obscure, foreign films. Um, so I'm really exposed to, to uh, movies and, and especially in documentaries, topics that I really may not know a lot about. But when you write the review, you have to do so much research to get everything right, to get your facts right. And right. I, it's such, I love it because I just learned so much about so many topics. And it's been very, it's been very broadening. Uh, but also, it, I, I love the writing of reviews. It's, it's a different kind of writing. Yep. I love journalism. I was a journalism major in college. and I, I love journalism and that kind of writing, which I, I've been able to infuse parts of it in my screenwriting. Mm. Um, it's just the physical way of writing, you know, the tightness. Of, of journalism. I, so my, mm. I, I feel like what I write moves very quickly. You know, it, it, it barrels along. Um, part, and part of that is my jur journalism mm. background. Mm. That's, that's got to force you to be very economical with your words. Yeah. And the thing about writing reviews too, is you write the review. Uh, it, it has a quick beginning, middle and an end. Sure. It end. You know, it's online at a certain point. Sometimes it's in print and then you move on to the next one. Unlike yep. a screenplay, which can take a very long time for you to, for, for the world to see any of it. Mm. I think that, I think that's a really fortunate position to be in, yeah. to be, you know, constantly immersed in the, on both ends of it, really, um, yeah. you know, starting stuff, the genesis of starting new works at the beginning and then also, you know, catching everyone else's work at the other end as it meets an audience. I'm two thirds of the way through uh, The Last Birthday Party, so no spoilers, please. Uh, but let's talk about your journey from uh, stage to page, as it were. Um, I had never written a, a novel, um, but I've been a huge reader my whole life. When I was a kid, I was, I was reading books constantly. Um, to this day, I'm always reading some some novel, a book. I read a lot of fiction, um, and I always wanted to write a, write a book. But I felt like I, you know I was so busy with scripts and things that to write a book it just seemed like such a giant undertaking mm -hmm. that I really wasn't sure if I could I really have the time to do it properly. Um, but I read something online uh, at the end of 2019, and somebody some writer I followed posted, and they said, you know, if you're a screenwriter and you've always wanted to write 
a novel, but felt like you don't have the time, think of it this way. If you wrote a page a day, at the end of the year, you'd have the first draft of your book. And that was like, well, that, I mean, it's simple, but it makes sense. And I said, I'm going to do it. And on January 3rd or 4th or whatever of, of 2020, I, start, I started that page a day thing, but it ended up, I ended up doing more than a page a day, uh, ultimately. So I wrote it in, you know, I was done by July, but uh, yeah, and it was just very motivating and it wasn't difficult. I didn't find it. I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. There, were, there were a lot of things I needed to learn along the way in terms of some of the process of writing a book and all that. But I guess I've read so many books that a lot of it felt very natural. There were, again, there were certain punctuation things, certain, I had a lot of questions about how you express things in a novel sure. because it's different than in journalism. It's different than in a screenplay. So there was a bit of a learning curve, which I kind of learned as I went along. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, like I said, I was, once I finished it, I then had a very good editor take a pass at it, you know, and, tell, and you know, sort of deal with some of the uh, grammatical things or anything that was wrong. And then when I finally found a publisher, then we went through the editing process twice, uh, two yeah. or three times with different editors that the, the publishing house had. And we and we really kind of uh, brought the book down. We, we, we took it from like 98,000 words to 84,000 words, something like that, which yeah. I love that process because I think we did, I think they did a fantastic job and, and uh, we didn't lose any story. We just, you know, just trimmed and cut and tightened. Yeah. So the thing really moves like a locomotive now, you know, which is Absolutely. really, really the point. And uh, yeah, so the process was good. I, I think I feel in a way as a writer, everything I've ever written kind of prepared me to write this book. Really? Um, yeah, and it's not, and I don't mean from a thematic point of view. I just mean from a physical. Everything I learned, you know, everything that 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 some things that I can do faster than others, you know, so like mm-hmm. some some parts of writing. I'm a good decision maker, you know, and and that took me a while to to be confident in my decisions as a writer. Yeah, I try to give myself three choices. If I'm not sure what to do, I'll write down three choices, and I'll pick one, the one that makes the most sense, and go go that way. Sure. And if it doesn't work, then I'll back up and try number two. You know, that yep. kind of thing. Um, and, and so, and I, and I've become over the course of time, more confident in the choices that I make, just knowing that they can change, but you have to make decisions. And I think one of the things that holds a lot of writers up and causes some of what may be considered a block is being indecisive Mm. and is looking for perfect. What's the expression? Don't let, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Right. Um, you know, uh, it's sort of like, just get something down on the page, see where it takes you. How did the process, the the logistical process, I guess the write, the actual physical writing process, change from screenplay to to novel? Well, uh, you know, I, I've said this before in, in, in other interviews that when you're the the when you're writing a book, you are the camera. You know, mm. when it, you, the author is the camera yeah. because it, it's you, you are you have to vividly create the world. And right. in a screenplay, you're, you're writing crew, a blue, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. In a screenplay, you're writing the blueprint basically, yep. and then you have actors and directors and cinematographers and set designers and all that yeah. who are kind of bringing your vision to right. life. So in a book, you really have to create that world and, 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 uh, and you end up writing, uh, you know, certainly a lot of description and you kind of, you, you kind of have to make people envision what it is that you're writing about. So you can't just have pages and pages of dialogue. You have to have, you can have a lot of dialogue, but you need to move characters around. You need to you need to see what they're physically doing during that time. How is it interesting? Yep. You know, and, and I actually, I have to say, I learned a lot from playwriting about moving people around. And I've learned so much from the directors that I've worked with, how he or she may move the characters around. Forget how I wrote them. It's like, logically speaking, how do you move? The, how, what kind of business do you give the, the actors so that as they're talking, as they're, as they're telling the story or whatever, that they, they are actually doing something right. that kind of 
that kind of supports what it is that, um, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. You're, that you, you, the words you gave them. So that was really helpful in, yeah. in writing the book too. I would imagine quite, quite a freeing process in that, or quite liberating. Obviously, when we're writing screenplays, we're constantly aware of limiting our action to kind of, you know, no more than like three line chunks of action and trying right, to be quite right. economical there. And writing in this form gives you real freedom to be able to fully explore all that without limitation. What I, what I was very conscious of, and I think that was the screenwriter in me working on this book was to, to even though I had a lot of freedom to go off on, on, you know, uh, flashbacks and tangents mm. and tell stories and, you know, bring us back out and then back to the character. Um, even then I was conscious of how much time I was taking uh, moving, moving the pieces around because it's very easy to just write, 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 write. Yes. And then you kind of lost your thread. And sure. so, and, and and in the editing process, ultimately, when we when we uh, shrunk the book down a bit, uh, that was what it was. The editors were like, you know, we love your book, we love what you've written, but but sometimes you want to stay on track a little bit more. And by l- mis- losing this little segue, you are you are kind of um, uh, you're staying on track better, and you're kind of pumping up the thing that you're really trying to get across. And so. That's really what I'm very used to in screenwriting. So, yeah. so I, yeah. I would say I fell somewhere between screenwriting and, and excess novel writing, you know, in this, in this book and came, came in the middle to ultimately the right length, I think. But you really do get to paint the world that you want to paint. And like you said earlier, your, yeah. you know, your craft services, your, you're creating the set, the costumes, the full characters. Yeah. Um, and I love that you, I think, I feel like you told the story, um, in, in a way that only an experienced screenwriter can in a, in a very visual sense. Um, and I really enjoyed all those little kind of moments of taking us around LA as well and building the mm-hmm. world, um, building Jeremy's world, you know, the little nods to me- things like the, uh, the Beverly cinema. Most of the, the, the places that I, that I, uh, reference or have scenes in are actual places. A few are not, uh, I don't know why sometimes I'd make it fictional, but most of those places were real. I really feel like LA is a character mm. in this movie, you know, in this book rather. And, and that's really important to yeah, yeah, because yeah. I love LA. I mean, it's a city with plenty of problems like every city has, but I'm a big fan of LA. I've lived here a really long time and, and, uh, and I want people to read about the LA that I love. Oh, that um, comes and, across. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You know? And so that's, that was really important to me. And, and, uh, uh, and it's a place of, you know, beauty and a great contradiction also, yeah. you know, and, and, and certainly the whole Hollywood element infuses something very kind of, you know, eccentric and loopy you know, yeah. in, in, in all of it, you know, you learn not to t- take it too seriously, but it was fun yeah. to write about. And grounds the character as well, though, in your, in a bit of a reality that you can speak to firsthand, right. you know, um, right. Jeremy writes, you know, film reviews for the, for the LA times. Um, yeah. Well, I definitely, I, I, <clears throat> I wrote what I know. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. So what would you say was the biggest challenge then for you in, in, in moving to, to, to novel writing? Um, having confidence in, in what I was doing, you know, have, believing that I could do it. Um, but I was, I was, I was happy enough when it was done to say, I have a book here. I think it can be published. I, th- I think it's publishable. Let's see if somebody else thinks it's publishable. That was the, that was the leap. And did you, did you outline in the same way that you would with the screenplay? No, that's a good question. No, I didn't. I, I, I wasn't sure when I started writing exactly i knew what i wanted to write about i knew basically where i wanted my character to go Mm. you you know his whole thing is he goes from not really realizing that he he's lost to being found so he starts off a little he's kind of a not an empty canvas but he's he's kind of somebody who really has a a way to go at a certain an older age he really has a lot to learn and finally in life Mm. and he does learn it through the course of the book so uh, that kind of that kind of unfolded in an interesting way, and I, and, the, and there are a lot of surprises in the book that surprised me as I wrote them. Right. So I I hope that the the things that are uncovered 
you know, I, I was like, oh, wow, that's interesting. Let's try that. And then, you know, suddenly it became entertaining yeah. um, and, and all that. So, yeah, I, I think there weren't a lot of issues for me writing it uh, because I always felt like if it didn't work, I could fix it. I could do nothing with yeah. it. Um, I was just enjoying I just it was such a joyous process writing it yeah. um, that that uh, that really carried me through. And was this story idea always a novel to you or was it at some point a previous idea for a screenplay or how did that yeah, work? It was, it was always a novel. I wanted to write about there are a couple of themes that I love. One, one and, and I haven't written enough about uh, and one of them is what is it that brings people together romantically and then splits those exact same people apart. How do you go from mm. you, uh, you know uh, uh, promising to love, honor, and obey, and spend the rest of your life with somebody, yeah. and then you can't, and then X number of years later, you can't even stand looking at the person? Uh, how does that happen? Yeah. yeah. What happens to us? And I have a theory that a lot of the things that draw us to people, uh, especially at, a, at an early age, my characters uh, uh, Jeremy and Cassie are married they're very young; they're like twenty-two and twenty-three mm. um, to begin with. And they're almost, they're 50 at the, almost 50 at this point. What drew them to each other when they were in their early 20s is what ended up splitting them apart as they reach 50. Right. Because our kind of best qualities are our worst qualities. And depending upon wh- what you do with them and how they manifest themselves, either you grow together as a couple and you become complementary or you grow apart and those and the differences as opposed to the similarities are what show up. And I like, uh, you know, I like the idea of as, as we get older, uh, particularly as a creative person, where do you fit into the world? When you start off, you're generally younger than most people. And then if you have a, a, a good long career, you're generally older than most people you're working with at a certain point or you're right, around the same right. age. Um, and I, and that's an interesting thing to observe. And, and I think this yeah. is a business that, that, uh, you have to really have a lot of fortitude to, uh, you know, to just keep doing what you're doing and not worry about numbers and, and ages. And you just do the work, you know, it, it's, it, Definitely. It, it, it's, um, and I, and I, that's something that to me is very interesting and how, how at a certain point in one's life you have choices and you can do new things and, and, yep. and you can take risks and all of Absolutely. that. Taking a risk can be very difficult, but it can also be really rewarding. And I wonder if there's a parallel there as well between him kind of not really facing up to what Cassie realized a long time ago about the relationship in the same way that he approached his screenwriting career. Right, right. Well, he, he got discouraged. He had a, he's, he's somebody who has, at a very young age had a big script sale and the movie wasn't made, but it could have launched him as a screenwriter but for for the for the many reasons that these things happen it didn't yeah and yeah. he got very discouraged so he yeah. found a way to make yeah. a living as a journalist and it was something he was good at and something that he was able to um yeah, he tried to keep screen writing spec screenplays and things over time but eventually sort of gave it up but he has written a he started a script a script in the present day he started a script about six years ago that he put away and that is the script he, when he's for, forced to get back into screenwriting, yep. he picks it up again and it starts to change his life because he's ready. You know, we have to be ready yeah, for everything absolutely. in our lives. We, sometimes we start doing things yeah, before yeah, yeah. we're really ready. And then one day you wake up and you go, okay, now's the time. I'm ready. You don't have to ask yourself. Exactly. Just, you, you get it. At the beginning, we were saying, you know, that sometimes it's not the piece you need to be writing now. And when that moment comes, you'll be aware of right. that and, you know, put it on a post-it note, file, file it away right. somewhere and there'll be a time for that. Right. And, and we bring different perspectives to things, uh, you know, every X number of years of our lives. So the things that I would write about now is a, my perspective is very different than it was uh, when I first started writing. Digging back into your early, probably one of your earliest credits um, and having watched the remake of Saved by the Bell. Yeah, yeah. So I saw that you wrote an episode um, early in the day. Have you seen any of the remake? I have not. No, I have not watched <laughs> it. I wanted to, I haven't seen it. Um, but uh 
it was funny because that episode, I, my very first writing job, professional writing job for hire for a script was an episode of Saved by the Bell when it first came on. Um, and uh, I remember going into my agent at the time sent me in there and I was like, I want to write cheers. I want to write, you know, I want, or some, you know, and, and he goes, and he goes, well, I said, just go in. It'll be fine. I pitched right, right. a million ideas yeah, to yeah, the yeah. show, but they were so nice and they really wanted, wanted us to work together. It was great. Finally, they picked something and they ended up shooting it and it was a huge thrill. It was, you know, it was my first thing. It was cool. And so many years have passed, but that's like one of the one, yeah. one of the things that most people will pluck out of everything that I've ever done and say, oh my God, you wrote that episode of Saved by the Bell. I love that. My mm. kid loves that. I grew up with that. <laughs> uh, and, and it's really fun. So I was, I was glad to yeah. see. And it's, these, they still rerun. They're on DVD and all that, which is fun. But I was glad to see that they redid it and yeah. they gave it a more contemporary spin and all that, which was, which was good. And nice to see some of the original faces still there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah for yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, but no, I haven't, I haven't had a chance to check it out yet. And so the novel is out now, of course. Um, is this, is, is there a logical adaptation here to screen next or another chapter? Yes. I think that there's a, a movie in it, which I would love to adapt and see made. Maybe it's an independent film. Maybe it's a streaming film. Somebody who read it said they think it'd make a great six part limited TV series. So we'll see. I mean, I wrote it to write a book and if, but, and not, and if it happens to have a life beyond that, that'd be fantastic. Let's, let's talk about what's on your desk right now. What are you currently working on? I've got a couple of chapters left on this new novel I'm writing. So it's a, it's a mother son story. But but it really explores uh, kind of human connection and, and, and what happens when, uh, you know, people come into your life um, after a long period of time who are not there. Um, so uh, I'm going to finish that up as soon as I can. Uh, and uh, I wrote a pilot, TV pilot last year after I was done with the book, which I love, and it's called Correspondent. Uh, and it's about a, it's a very, very dark comedy, uh, a half hour ca- single camera, very dark comedy about a foreign TV correspondent. And he has kind of a nervous breakdown. And it's a story about how this guy, how he's so famous and so successful, but the inside doesn't match the outside. And what do you do when you can't extricate yourself from a job that's killing you is basically what it is. I, I think it's a really good uh, lead character, which hopefully can attract some talent. Um, I'm, I'm also working on a, a Hallmark Christmas movie right now. Fantastic. And we're still still in the outline stage. So I'm always pitching stuff. You know, I'm, I've, I'm always uh, finding out about assignment work and trying to pitch more TV movies and Christmas Mm. movies. And, you know, I've been fortunate to be able to do what I love to do and actually see some things made. Mm -hmm. Yeah, quite a few things. Yeah, it's very gratifying. Okay, final scene. Just a few questions to close with while the credits roll. Uh What are you reading now and next? I am reading a great book now. Uh, by John Joshua Henkin called Morningside Heights, uh, which is set in the Morningside Heights area of Manhattan, which is upper upper west side of Manhattan. It's a really terrific book, very interestingly written. I'm really enjoying it. I'm almost done with it. Uh, coming up next, I'm going to read a book called Last Summer at the Golden Hotel, which is about a family or family's experience um, uh, going to the Catskill Mountains uh, in New York in New York State. Uh, which is a resort area for Jewish families back in the day. Yeah, I just got, got a big stack. Got There's never enough time, is there, to, to read? Never enough time. Can you pinpoint a single film, a TV show, or book which has had a profound impact on your desire to be a writer and why? 
One is an old TV series called 30-something. This was sort of like around 1990, maybe. It was a long time ago. It, it was kind of like This Is Us in a way, the show This Is Us, but, but much simpler and much more uh, grounded, I think. And it was just about friends whose lives intersected uh, as they were in their early 30s and just putting their lives together. Ed Zwick and Marshall Herskovitz were the uh, creators and writers on the show, and they had a great staff of writers, and it was an excellent cast. I had another job at the time I was doing. I was in, in marketing, movie marketing. And watching that show, as I watched it, I just said, you know, I really have to get back into writing. I really, I really want to do this. And actually, the, one of the first spec scripts I wrote back then was a 30-something. And it ended up getting me, getting me work back then. And, and I watched it a while ago. It held up so well. well. I think to this day, it's one of the best written shows ever. And then uh, from a book point of view, and this happened around the same time, uh, I read a book by Ann Tyler called The Accidental Tourist. And I went on to read many, many of her books. I still do. She's one of my favorite authors. But what I loved about it was that it was just about people and their characteristics and the things they do wrong and the little things they do right. But that was also a book that had a real core, like a, a really serious core to it. it did, on the surface, it was a little lighter, but but there was tragedy that was kind of, that moved the whole story forward. Uh, so those two things definitely, I would say, were my... Uh, they really motivated me, really inspired me to, to start writing. Gary, you've written a string of Christmas movies. What does your perfect holiday look like? Hometown charms or cocktails and palms? Oh, definitely cocktails and palms. And maybe just the cocktails part. I don't know, the palms, I'll look out the window, but definitely the cocktail part. If I were writing a pitch deck right now about my fantasy life, and this may reveal a bit too much about me, um, I'd probably say, think Connie and Carla meets Can You Ever Forgive Me? Which two movies sell your dream? One is Risky Business, because A, it's one of my favorite all-time movies, but also because it's really just about somebody whose life, you know, could be one way and, and it zigs and zags and ends up being completely crazy. And I love stories about people whose lives are kind of, um, uh, they're just sort of forced out of their their, their comfort zone. And, and I think, and I feel like, you know, so many times I've been pushed out of my comfort zone into these arenas and things that, that I never thought would work out. And they do because I gave myself the chance to take a risk. And so, so I love the title and I love what happens in that movie. And that would be one. The other one, and I'm going to just give myself a shameless plug because why not? I would use a movie I wrote called The Wish List, And that was a movie about um, a woman who creates, who's having romantic problems. She can't meet the right guy. She makes a list of, the, of all the things that she wants in the perfect guy. And she's not going to, she's not going to budge until she finds the guy who's the list. And right at that moment, when the list is done, she meets the perfect guy who is the list and she meets the guy who's the anti-list and she realizes that the anti-list she falls for him in a different way that she falls for the perfect guy I, it really spoke to and it was it actually was a spec script that was turned into a tv movie i wrote it originally because i love the idea of as much as we plan it's very hard to, to really plan what life is going to be like and when you do plan that's when things tend not to work out um so those are kind of a couple of themes that kind of run through a lot of my work anyway but i picked those two movies You've written movie reviews for the LA Times for years now. Which movie in recent years has surprised you the most or challenged, I guess, any preconceived ideas you may have had before watching it? Yeah, it's a really good question. I, I uh, was thinking about a documentary that I saw very recently called The Sparks Brothers. It's, first of all, it's a fantastic documentary uh, that Edgar Wright directed. And it's just a quirky, really, really well done movie. Great music. So it just made me want to go out and get all their music. Uh, but it's also visually a really cool movie and really challenged my whatever pre preconceived notions I had about this band. So 
It's, I'm sure it's on streaming now and it's, it's really excellent. Highly recommend it. Yeah. Gary, if you will, please leave us with your top tip for maintaining a healthy writing practice. Um, don't let yourself off the hook. Schedule yourself as if you're going to a meeting and say, I'm going to write from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m., two solid hours, and then I'm going to take a break. Pretend that you have a meeting and you must show up at that meeting and your meeting is with yourself and your computer and don't walk away till you finish. And But do it in bite-sized portions. If it's an hour, that's fine too. If it's half an hour, that's fine too. But get it done without interruption. And if you lose time, pick it up the next day. If you wanted to write four hours that day, but you only got to three, no problem. Do five the next day or four the next day, whatever you can do. Uh, but I also believe it's, it's important to be good to yourself as you're doing it. Again, like I said earlier, we all know how we operate and how we write the best and how can we get the most out of ourselves and how do we need to treat ourselves to feel good about sitting down at the computer. So, you, so it, it does take some tricks. It's important to stay positive because it's so easy to fall into the negativity when you write. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Paul. It's been great. Such a pleasure to catch up and best of luck with uh, whatever comes up next. Thank you. Really appreciate it. So good to talk to you. Oh, so great to sit down and chat with Gary. He's a really busy guy, so I definitely appreciate his time. And just like a backstage comedy appeals to the theatre geek in me, Gary's book appealed to the screenwriter in me. I definitely encourage you to pick up a copy of The Last Birthday Party. Next time on the Writer's Toolkit podcast. I meet Chinese-Canadian playwright Norman Young. As well as talking about his hit play Theory, we discuss the one theme that's been present in almost all of his work from his first full-length play, Pu'er, to his recent short film, Zoonotic Story. Language is one of those big things that keeps some immigrants from being fully accepted in this country. I've, I, I, I was born in China, so I'm an immigrant to Canada. I've been aware of that my entire life. It adds to the racism that's, uh, that many Chinese people face not having the same English skills that other people would expect. And so I deal with language a lot because of my own relationship to it, my own limitations with Cantonese. And so I reckon with that in many of my plays in terms of the alienating, uniting and dividing aspects of language skills. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Paul Kalbergi, and you'll find links for everything mentioned in this episode in the show notes below too. Until next time, stay inspired. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Writer's Toolkit podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to leave a review and share the link with your friends. This podcast is fueled by coffee. If you'd like to support the show, you'll find the Buy Me A Coffee link in the show notes. This podcast is fueled by coffee. If you'd like to support the show, you'll find the Buy Me A Coffee link in the show notes.